1: Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman coming to you from the Stiefel Sports Studio. It's time to talk some baseball. And we turn things over to KMOX's Matt Pauley with a very special guest. We
2: are very happy right now to uh, welcome on the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. That is Michael Gersh. Michael, thank you for taking some time with us. How are you?
0: I'm great. How are you doing?
2: I am good. What was uh, what was your reaction? What was maybe the other reactions of people inside of uh, the Cardinals offices when you found out that Scott Rowland was going to be a Hall of Famer?
0: Oh, I think it was. Uh, it's exciting. It's always exciting when someone who spent some time here gets uh, gets honored like that, and. Um, I know Mo in particular. You know, I was around when Scott was here, but I was not. I'm uh, not hanging around the big league clubhouse at that time very much. I was more doing amateur scouting stuff, so I don't have a long relationship with Scott. Though I've met him a few times, but I know Mo is considers him a friend, and I know Mo is very excited about it. So it's uh, a great honor for him. It, it seemed like it was going to happen one of these years, just wasn't obvious it was going to happen this year. But uh, nice, nice, uh, nice um, recognition of a great career.
2: Would you like to see Hall of Fame voters value defense at third base maybe a little bit more than they do? Um, Look, I got to be honest with
0: you, like, I don't, I'm not in the weeds on on Hall of Fame voting and how they, how they, uh, over the years, how they've transitioned from, you know, like round numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Round numbers of wins, home runs, uh, RBIs seem like drove Hall of Fame voting for a long time to now being a little bit more uh, maybe data savvy. But I think I think third base is a weird position. It's it's not seen as one of the like elite defensive positions up the middle of the field but but some you know, some guys are incredible defenders at third base and add a ton of value. You know, we have one now in, in Nolan and uh when Scott was here for, for many years he was the same way and I think uh I think sometimes it's looked at as more of an offensive position, but but the guys who are great defensive third baseman, you know, it's making a huge difference in your team. It's possible that that's undervalued by the Hall of Famers for sure.
2: What is this period like for you guys, where you've kind of done the heavy lifting of the off season, but I know at the same time you never close the door to making the team better.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a, a transition period where we sort of are starting to transition from the off season into spring training into the beginning of the amateur scouting season into um, just, you know, beginning the player development process and, and those seasons um, to your point, we're, we're always looking, we're, we're still talking to teams from every now and then there's still guys on waivers and, and other opportunities. And obviously there's still a few free agents still out there. Um, so it's, it's different than sort of early in the off season where you're really, you know, trying to stay in touch with all 29 teams and, and, and tons of free agents and tons of agents and you have lots of balls in the air. Now it's a little bit more, you know, Sparse in the conversations, and and a few that might spark something that have a chance to to come to fruition, um, and and uh, you know a lot that sort of don't really go anywhere. Um, but as as a front office, we sort of a lot of our time is now starting to prepare for the 2023 season, and, and less about uh, the offseason acquisition process.
2: Specifically to the amateur side of things, has that turned into a 12 month a year thing? Um, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. You know,
0: um, we we do, we do some pr- sort of January like sort of prep meetings here in town uh, this week. And, you know, I had some conversations with guys where we talked about like if you if you're a high school player in, in Florida or, or Arizona or Southern California, they're already playing high school baseball or at least at least maybe not official season games, but they're having you know, all season scrimmages and practices. And so our scouts are already out, you know, sort of laying the groundwork on, on that. And and certainly. The draft is in July now, a month later than it used to be, which sort of stretches out this 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 process. And then, as soon as this process happens in July, we immediately start scouting the summer leagues and the Cape Cod League, and so it's it's probably not twelve months, but it's it's probably like you know nine or ten before it kind of gets quiet for November and December.
2: Do you enjoy the challenge in other sports? There's not a linear path, but there's there's a more kind of concrete kind of way to to get to the highest levels of the sport. In baseball, there's so many different pathways that guys can take. Coming straight out of high school, going junior college, going to a four year, going junior college. To, like, there's there's a million different ways, and you find guys at, at different stages of their development. Is that fun for for you and and your staff?
0: Yeah, I think I think that's part of the challenge, right? I think I think what scouts. Look, every scout hopes to have a first-round pick. You know, go to the high school next, you know, down the street because it means that they they'll they'll know the guy well. They they can scout him easily and all that. But, um, you know, again, when we had these meetings this week, one of our one of our scouts talked about scouting Mount Olive College and finding Cody Whitley, who had been uh, had Tommy John surgery, you know, the year before, missed a year, had only come back and made three appearances that year. He happened to be at one of them. You know, to be at a college game in Mount Olive and see a kid throwing 95 that you didn't even know existed before you walked into this park that day is that's what they live for, right? It's finding guys and uncovering, uncovering the, the sort of hidden gems. And I think we've, you know, organizationally we've kind of made a living off of, you know, rounds, you know, five through 15 or whatever with guys like Carpenter and, and, you know, Tommy Edman and Donovan and Lars Lupar And th- that that's, I think what, you know, in some ways is almost more fun than going to see the number one player in the country who's been a superstar at some sec school for three years. And everyone knows who he is. And it's sort of a, it's not as much of a, you don't get the butterflies and excitement of having discovered someone who, who can make a difference.
2: Cardinals general manager Michael Gersh continuing to, uh, to chat with us. I think a lot of people hear your title. They know, they know Mo's title as president of baseball operations. But I also think there's maybe some confusion in what, what it looks like in your guys' working relationship. Can you kind of describe that for our listeners a little bit of how you and Mo work together?
0: Yeah, I think I, I mean. Look, everyone knows Mo's the Mo's the main guy. He's he's the head of baseball operations. He has been for I don't know fifteen seasons now, maybe sixteen seasons. Um, and and I've been you know starting in 2011, I got promoted to assistant GM and and was sort of Moe's right hand man. And that's sort of been my role for the last decade. And in in some cases, we split things up and and you know like separate our our sort of work responsibilities in most cases we are very much working together on things so there are cases where there are certain agents i have relationships with and there's many agents especially the the guys who've been around for a while that mo has had long-term relationships with and so when we want to approach a free agent or approach a player about an extension we'll, we'll sort of decide who makes more sense to start that process there's um there's certain teams that mo has you know someone like the Yankees with, with Cashman. Mo and Cashman have both been in charge of their respective organizations for, you know, 15 years or 20 years. So when we talk Yankees, sometimes Mo just picks up the phone and calls Cash. And there's other teams where I have relationships with guys who, have you know, are newer in the role. And so I, I follow up with those and start the trade talks on, in those cases. Um, and then within, you know, our, our sort of internal operations, you know, I, I'm, my background is on the analytics side. So I sort of um, and much more involved in our baseball development analytics group you know Mo's background is more on the uh, has has been around longer with the player development side so he works a little bit more closely with Gary Larock but it's it's not like we it, it's much more of we work as a team on things and not so much that we have like you know clear silos that this this is my part of the organization and this is Mo's part i mean the whole thing is Mo's part and i and i jump in where it makes sense to to make an impact and try to keep moving us forward
2: there were parts of this offseason that were just wild, whether it was the money that was being thrown around, the years that were being thrown around. Do you guys ever just kind of look at each other and look at some of these deals and just go, you know, in almost shock of maybe the direction that the industry is going, if that makes sense?
0: Um, I don't think shock. I, I, I think any time you come out of um, a new CBA, a, a lot of people feel more comfortable making big bigger commitments because they know that there's some certainty for the next five years about, you know, about relative peace in the, uh, in the industry. And I, I think there are times there, are, there are moves that sort of, um, I don't want to say confuse but there's, there are moves that are more surprising than others, right? Like there are moves where, you know, when Aaron judge signs for a lot of money with the New York Yankee, it, it doesn't exactly make your head spin. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's other moves where you're like, well, oh, that's, that's not what I was expecting or that's not the team I expected, or that's not the contract that we would have guessed. And, and it's just part of, part of 30 teams competing and trying to figure out how to best allocate their resources to, to improve their teams.
2: I'll finish you off with this. Like My take on the Cardinals is there's a lot of question marks because there's not a lot of guys outside of Goldschmidt, Arnado, Edmond, and Contreras that have year-over-year track records. Like Tyler O'Neal had a really good year. Lars Newtbar had a really good half season l- last year. But these guys have not have these multi-year track records. But there's also a lot of optimism about so many guys, whether it is O'Neal or Newtbar or Carlson or Gorman. Like, so many guys. I'm excited to see if these guys are going to kind of take that step forward and, and become those consistent big leaguers. you In the, uh, this is a long question, but do you get excited about that? Like, are you really excited to see some of these guys that don't have those track records, if they are able to take that next step?
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I think in some ways this is like the ideal spring training for us in that we have a whole bunch of young, exciting, kind of up-and-coming type players, and it's also a WBC year, so... You know, when you talk about we have we have a, a, a sm- like kind of a smaller group of veteran players like like they can't get much better than Goldie and Arenado, right? Like if you're gonna have if you're gonna have a small group of guys like two MVP guys is a great way place to start. But those guys and Wayne Rowe and Mikeless and a bunch of other players are gonna be are gonna be gone the WBC for some period of time in March, and so there's gonna be a lot of at bats to see what you know, Alec Burleson or Jordan Walker and there's gonna be a lot of innings for guys like Libertor and Connor Thomas and Grassefo and McGreevy. There's just there's a lot of a lot of players that we're excited to sort of see what twenty twenty three brings for them and and not only is that true just in general, but it's true that in this spring training, they're set up to have opportunities, right? And we know that not all of them are going to hit in spring training and, and we can't, you shouldn't overanalyze, you know, 25 at bats or 12 innings in spring training anyway, but just the idea that we got a lot of exciting players who are going to get opportunities to, to sort of see where they stand is, uh, is fun and exciting and, and, it makes it that the, this season has the potential to have a bunch of new faces that sort of break out into the, uh, into sort of that, that tier that you said, that tier that kind of repeats it for more than a year and that everyone sort of has confidence we can build around.
2: He is Michael Gersh. is the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals joining us. Michael, thank you so much for your time. No problem.
1: Enjoyed it. Thank you both. And when we come back, we'll talk hockey. The Blues break down, and the Blues are breaking down a little bit. We'll hear from Craig Berube, Jordan Bennington, Tori Krug, and Ivan Barbashev next on KMOX's Sports on a Sunday morning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?